Hi, I'm Homer Hargrove and I'm the pastor of Grave Top Church. I hope that today's message inspires you and that connecting with our church family today truly makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Here a little bit late and Jake was already here, of course. And uh, he's like, uh, wow, uh, late start today. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, it's just a little this, a little that. One kid is poops uh, diarrhea and the other kid is, uh, you know, just crying for no reason. So just, you know, little foxes spoil the vine. But um, I'm so grateful for you guys being a part today. We are going to be continuing our series um, about spiritual things, spiritual things. And this whole month, we're learning about bib- uh, these uh, spiritual things, but more specifically, biblical spirituality. And so often, the lure and the mystery of spirituality has given this impression that almost anything superstitious or uh, anything that's seemingly heavenly is accurate even when it is way off. And that's why it's so important for us to unpack uh, um, biblical spirituality rather than just going with whatever sounds spiritual. So today specifically, we're going to be talking about the counterfeit, the counterfeit to spirituality. And the uh, the reason we are going to talk about how uh, about counterfeit is because because of how many believers today have fallen into the habit of chasing false spiritualism, and it is a desire to be spiritual without putting in the actual work of being spiritual. And genuine spirituality is not just a mindset but a determined behavior and lifestyle and spirituality is seen in tangible choices and actions not lofty pretenses of oneself so within this talk today we're going to be covering uh, three big ideas we're going to be covering the difference being seen in whether or not something is actually biblical or if it simply sounds spiritual we're uh, the second thing we're going to unpack is a difference in Uh, The difference being in the actual works and actions of spirituality. And then the third thing we're going to unpack is the difference of the end result of who is being glorified. And the reason that this conversation is, is so meaningful is because too many people chase the things that sound spiritual only to, to either have wasted part of their life or uh, so much of their time within foolishness or to have seriously damaged their faith. Tremendous. There's been people who have tremendous emotional damage and even confusion about their life, about their purpose, about their uh, their own uh, faith, be, uh, because of the uh, because of the filling of one's mind and soul with false pretenses of uh, spirituality. It makes me think um, about so many examples within uh, within my own personal experiences of times where. Uh, this, this pretense of spiritualism was chased rather than biblical spirituality. Um, I'll, I'll give two stories. Um, one is uh, this, this pastor that I knew, and it, it, his spiritual form was, was legalism. Just like if you do uh, just extreme legalism. And what that is, is, is almost producing additional rules to follow that are outside of the Bible man-made rules of religion and claiming that you are more spiritual for following your own rules. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And uh, I'll give his as an example. One of the things that he was very, you know, quote-unquote spiritual about was that he would not wear shorts. I mean, 
I don't traditionally like, I used to not like wearing shorts just because, like, what if I get into a fight and I scrape my shin? That's, that's a no bueno. But, but now, because the quarantine, the pandemic really helped me because just being uh, outside most of the day with my kids is like, no, I have to wear shorts. Now I feel like I'm like normally just wear like workout clothes all the time when I'm not like doing something professional. But he, he has this, this belief that he does not wear shorts and it is more spiritual. And the reason he does it is because he doesn't want to make ladies to lust after him. <laughs> Why are y'all laughing? <laughs> yeah, it, the calves. It's the calves, really. And, and honestly, if, if, uh, it's really hard to get some bulky calves for, for guys. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You could be in the, the gym all day just tearing up your calves, doing those calf raises. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And how many of you guys have ever tried to really blow out your calves and then you weren't able to walk two days later? Yeah, y'all know what I'm saying. Y'all, y'all all tried. See, we all, we, we all really covet those kind of calves that this, this man probably had. And, and so anyway, is, is this extra level of spiritualism, right? That he made up within his own head. Well, lo and behold, uh, uh, years, years later in his life, still holding true to this idea of spiritualism, and he commits adultery with his wife, uh, against his wife. And what I found is like, you, you made this hard stand for something that's foolish. But then you break something that is so clear, something so biblical, something so grounded, so obvious. And it, it's a, a simple example of how I feel like so often when we chase spiritualism or the idea of spiritualism rather than biblical spiritualism, we get this this. Uh, wrong idea of ourselves of being more superior while truly not being more spiritual in our actions. And so we'll get more into that. But before we get started, I want to share this verse. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4, for the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. Oh, you know, what? I have this on the screen. There we go. Yeah. Wanting to have their ears tickled. We're like the third line down. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. I think the ending of this verse is what's most profound, because typically we, when, uh, whenever I've heard this scripture talked about, it, people, people say, oh, it's, uh, people want to chase watered-down uh, gospel. They want to chase watered-down doctrine. But what this verse is, it ends by saying, turning aside to myths. And I feel like that's a, a good simile to the form of spiritualism that I'm talking about today. It's this kind of spirituality that isn't concrete. It's just kind of like these ideas. It, it, not, to, not to bash anyone that likes crystals, right? But it's, it's like this idea is like this concept of belief without firm foundation, like, well, if I wear these crystals around my neck, then it'll keep away bad energy or it'll bring healing to me. It's, like, it's these ideas, these myths without firm foundation. And it sounds just interesting. It has this lure, this mystery. And so as difficult as it is to hear, we as people love these kinds of myths. We, the, the, we love spiritual sounding things and high minded things that presents opportunity of superiority. 
It presents opportunity of superiority and it takes away the need for us to be responsible for our actions. I think that's the essence of what false spiritualism does. And so, so better, it is better to ground yourself to reality rather than fictional tales, rather than myths, rather than what someone just said one day. And so first we're going to start by asking ourselves, when trying to de determine if something is truly spiritual, we're going to ask ourselves, is it biblical? Is it biblical? And the, I really believe that uh, the difference in this is seen whether or not something is actually biblical or if it, sim it simply sounds spiritual. And this is probably the most important thing to do in regards to finding out whether or not something is spiritual, truly spiritual. There are literally people trying to become closer to God in our world. There's people trying to get closer to God by practicing ideas of spirituality that are actually der derived from the books of Satanism. Do y'all know that? Like even the idea of do whatever feels good. Like, that is literally derived from the satanic book. And it's because when you chase your pleasure, it's all me, 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 I, I, I. It, it, even some forms of, like, self-help, it is really derived from the idea of uh, Satanism. And it's putting yourself first above all else. Your, yourself first above others. Yourself first even above the universe. Think of the idea of, like, even the secret. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like the secret, if you just put your mind like focus to it, like the universe will beckon to you. Do you not see how this whole idea is derived by making yourself out to be God? It, it's putting me, myself first, no matter, the, no matter the cost. And it puts even others as a means to an end and the end result being your glorification. But at first glance, it sounds nice. Like, you know what? I do need some me time. Like, yes, I'm not bad. I'm not saying that we don't need to take care of ourselves. The Bible promotes taking care of ourselves. But when it talks about the grand scheme of things, it says that we should die to oneself, that we should put others first, that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. Y'all dig what I'm saying? It's completely contrary to what so many things are taught. And to know that while intentions may be genuine intentions may be genuine the ignorance is hindering us from actually connecting with god we want to grow closer to god but if we're doing an action that is that would give the complete opposite results do you not see how that's a problem it's like if someone were to tell me if you drink chocolate milkshakes every day it's going to make you healthy Hell yeah, I want to be healthy. <laughs> Give me some of that chocolate shake. You know, this is so good too. I don't know why I haven't been doing this all my life. <laughs> do, you see, do you not see how the results I want, even though my intentions are good, the practice isn't going to get me there. That is why it's so important to understand if the spiritual ideas that you're believing or following are actually biblical because it's only if they're biblical that they're going to give you the results you really want. Y'all dig that? Let me read y'all this verse in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. It says, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. 
Since you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Harsh. But <laughs> he's talking to the, the priests of Israel at the time who, who were not teaching the, the people the true Torah. They weren't giving the accurate, the accurate teachings of God. And so it was leading the entire people astray. They were leading people to believe that they were bringing them closer to God, while in fact, they were only giving them teachings that, were, that sounded good, that sounded nice. And so it wasn't actually bringing them closer to God. So this, the most powerful part is this first sentence, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. What it shows me is a concept taken from Scripture without context doesn't make it biblical. A concept taken from Scripture without context doesn't make it biblical. This Scripture is literally telling us that ignorance is self-destructive. Ignorance, it's not a mean word. It simply means, ignorance simply means to not know. And we see in this verse that it is self-destructive, that the most damage that it does is to oneself. And it implies that if people were to simply know the truth that they would be saved and have all that they need. If people were to actually know the truth, that they would be saved and have all that they need. I, I think of it as a very practical standpoint. If you were on the, in the wilds and you were in the, on the verge of starvation, would you rather have someone teach you the truths of fishing and how to fish with ideas uh, about fishing that are grounded and have reference and proof, or would you rather have someone teach you ideas or concepts about fishing without proof, without real reference, without any results? It's just ideas. Would you not want the, the foolproof method, method of how you're going to survive, of how you're going to live? Not just pretty ideas of fishing. Fishing is just nice because it calms the mind and you become one with the water, and eventually you will catch a fish. Okay, but like, how do I actually catch the fish? You just have to get your mind right. <laughs> Versus, you put the hook on the line, you put the bait, you cast it. You'll see the difference. See, this is what I'm talking about, the difference between the Bible being the standard of authentic spirituality versus just someone's opinion or idea. Because the Bible can be trusted. It is what we put our entire faith in. And if, if one thing within Scripture is, is wrong, then it gives error to the rest of Scripture. We, we have to understand that, especially when the Bible talks about spirituality, that it is giving truth to us. That it, and so, you can save so much time, so much heartache and confusion by simply starting with the mentality that the Bible is the standard. That the Bible is the standard. That it's the reference and it's the grounding for truth, especially in regards to spirituality. With this kind of understanding, you must also know that, uh, just like I said, that this con a, concept taking, uh, a concept taken from Scripture without context doesn't make it biblical. And so the only moment, with that being said, the only moment that we ever see Jesus tempted in the Bible is the moment when he was doing something truly spiritual, when he was fasting for 40 days. I once heard a pastor say 
that if you're tempted into sin while you're fasting, then you're really messed up. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I'm really messed up. It, it, see, even that statement, does that not sound spiritual? Does that not sound accurate? That if you're doing something extremely spiritual like fasting and you're tempted, then you're, then you're in bondage to sin. You're, you're really deep into sin and you need deliverance. The only time we ever see Jesus tempted is when he's doing something spiritual, when he is fasting. So not only that, do we see that when he's fasting and we see him tempted doing something, uh, we see him tempted by the devil through the manipulation of scripture out of context. With every temptation that the devil portrayed, uh, put before Jesus, it was through a scripture taken out of context. And the only, the only kind of defense that we see Jesus give is the completion of that scripture. That scripture put back into context. Or a, another scripture to, to uh, expound better the scripture. And so the only way to defeat a white lie was with the ultimate truth. And so, it, yet so many people today are led into some crazy beliefs. We as people are led into some crazy beliefs, some practices, even cults. People are led into cults through someone sharing a heretical teaching via scriptures out of context. When I see cults and like how much of a following they get, I was like, man, there's hope for our church. <laughs> I was like, if people, and when I hear like their, their person talking, like that's crazy. That's insane. I can't believe people are following this cult. And I think, man, we have to be able to get some kind of move. <laughs> we should be able to get some kind of gathering. And you know how the best way to know whether or not you're in an actual cult is by actually knowing the Bible yourself. It, because a cult puts one leader, one person as a primary source of truth, while a true uh, institution of freedom gives, gives freedom to the individual to come or go. A cult says, no, you have to stay here and you can't go to any other church or you're not going to a real church. You ever have someone tell you that before? I once had, heard a, a pastor told somebody that, uh, that said, I, I really uh, I feel like I'm, I'm in my heart. I'm going to start going to this church. Um, I started helping there a little bit here and there and I really feel connected. And I just wanted to give you like the respect to let you know. And you know what the pastor told him? That's witchcraft and the devil leading you astray. I was like, oh man, <laughs> that's hardcore. But it's funny how it wasn't witchcraft or the devil leading him astray when he switched churches to go to his church. It's only when he was going to leave. See, a cultic mentality, and I, the reason I'm talking about this is because it applies to this understanding of spiritualism. Cultic mentality tries to take away freedom of the individual. You can't leave, you have to stay here. True spiritualism, authentic spiritualism, gives the freedom to the individual. Y'all see the difference? So, if we, the best way to protect yourself from, from a kind of damaging belief, a, kind of a damaging idea, is by always knowing why you do what you do. Always know why you do what you do. Which... I really believe it implies, it, this implies that you have to read scripture yourself. 
A study done on Christians found that only 30% of Christians read the Bible at least once during the week. So about 30% of Christians read the Bible throughout the week, at least once. Which, is, which I thought was even higher than I originally thought. But even less than 30% of Christians have even read through the Bible once all the way through themselves. So, if there's a million Christians and only 30% are actually reading the Bible regularly. Only 30% have even read through the, 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 Bi- the whole Bible at least once. That means there's over 700,000 people that are just trusting the pastor, just trusting the leader to be truthful in what he's saying. They're just trusting his perspective. They're just trusting whoever they're listening to, wherever they're getting their information, they're just trusting the individual that they're displaying it articulately, that they're, they're displaying it with, without a biased perspective, without personal gain. It's no wonder why so many people are angry at the church, why so many people are angry with with spiritual uh, people or uh, spiritual appearing people, these Christian leaders, because that we we have been so duped so many times. We've been duped, saying, "Oh well, they they got all these people to give all their money to the church, and they just use it to buy their own personal jet." Well, I think a lot of like errors like that would be avoided if we knew why we were doing what we were doing, even when it comes to generosity. To know that the Bible teaches us and tells us to not even give through compulsion, but to give out of the cheerfulness of one's heart. And, and yet, there's so many preachers today that have convinced people, if you've got $100 in your pocket right now, God is telling you to loosen your heart, let go of that devil that's holding you back, and give it today. God, you have a, a bondage to money, son, and you need to give that, do- that $100 today. People will hear them like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be enslaved to money. <laughs> Let me just do it. Biblical knowledge. Understanding why you do what you do. I believe that this is one of the... Uh, this, it's this simple reason why so many people are confused and doubtful about their faith. And even more so, why so many people experience church hurt. It's, the, it's because of the lack of knowledge that our people perish. I don't know how many times I've heard... Biblical contradictions within a church service. You know, even on this topic of money, have you ever heard a, a, an offering call given where it ends with, and you need to plant your seed today, and the Bible says that if you plant that seed, you'll reap a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 fold. So invest into God's kingdom economy. That's good, right? Maybe I should start doing this. <laughs> no, let's pass that offering bucket around. Forget what I was about to say. See, the... What is interesting about that is that that is a scripture taken out of context. You know what Jesus is actually talking about when he says, you will reap a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 fold? He is talking about the gospel message being planted. And how in some soil, it, it will, uh, the devil will take that seed away. In other soil, the roots will have shallow. Uh, uh, shallow roots and the, the sun will cause them to wither away. In some soil, it will grow up in thorns and thistles and be choked out. But in some soil, it will have, bear good fruit and it will bear a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold. Talking about the gospel message bringing forth the kingdom of God. And see, that makes a lot more sense than this is spiritual interest rate. 
It's talking about how some people will reject, three out of four people may reject God's message, but one person not only will take God's message, but they will share it to others and they'll bring uh, 30 times more people to Christ, 60 times more people to Christ, 100 times people more to Christ. See, it makes a lot more sense when you put it in context. It's a simple idea of how these, a, a, a scripture taken out of context can lead you to believe something that's simply not true. And there's so many people that will hear a message like that and think that God is, is picking on them by not fulfilling this promise that the preacher made that they're going to become a millionaire by giving their life savings. For the lack of knowledge, my people perish. The best way to judge the authenticity of something that sounds spiritual is by putting it up to the Bible. Now next, we are going to examine spirituality in a very practical sense by asking... Is it tangible? So we just went over and covered, is it biblical? Now let's ask, is it tangible? Is it tangible? And I think that uh, on this topic, what, what I want to really unpack is that spirituality is a, is a lifestyle more than it is a mindset. When I think about, uh, y'all ever watch like Unsolved Mysteries? Isn't it so interesting? Especially when they lead you believe that they're going to solve it for you by the end of the episode. <laughs> I hate that. I remember being a kid. You know, you know when you were a kid and you would stay home from school and we still had cable TV. And you just like look through all the shows. But cartoons were just not legit during the day. It's like the lamest cartoons. And they just put reruns of Tom and Jerry. And after a while, you're just sick of it. I don't want to watch the same Tom and Jerry over and over. I want something new, something fresh. And so I'll get so bored and I'll just start watching things like the Discovery Channel. Yeah, I was one of those kids. Animal Planet, the History Channel. Just give me some of that. I want to, you know, I'm not going to be learning in class today, but I'm going to be learning something here. And I'm joking, by the way, but I, it'd just be interesting because you'd be like, today, the unsolved mystery of the Loch Ness Monster. Who, where is this monster? Is it really lurking at the deep? And it, it like... Like gives this like very mysterious portrayal. Like, and this person says that they saw Bigfoot. Let's interview them. And you're like, oh my gosh. Did they actually capture footage of Bigfoot? And then it shows like this glimpse of like this tree moving. They're like, could it have been? <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. This could be it. And what is so interesting about those kinds of shows is that it, it, it just is so intriguing. And you feel like you're going to find something out, but you never do. And at the end of the day, you know you're not going to find out because they would have like announced it in the news or something, right? It's not going to be on this, like, this, television set that was, uh, this television show that has been aired three times already. But you watch it anyway because it's interesting. It just kind of like intrigues your mind. It pokes at your, your, your thoughts and this, this ideas of fiction merging with nonfiction. It, it's almost like the, the, the questions that don't look for answers sound smart. Those questions that don't look for answers sound smart. It's like, a, the, uh, was it, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? It's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's so smart. I never thought about that. <laughs> There's so many questions that look for answers. Could God, if God is so powerful, could he lift, a, uh, could he make a rock that even he couldn't lift? <laughs> Jimmy, like, yeah. I need to know. 
What about this one? Uh, it, if, if God uh, is the creator of everything, who created God? Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, no, no, y'all are like, oh my gosh, are these going to be the answers? <laughs> it's just like the show. See, these things sound intelligent. These things sound interesting, but they're deflated in their results. They don't bear real results. Those questions aren't really looking for answers. Those, those mysteries aren't looking for solutions because the only reasons that those mysteries stay unsolved and those questions stay unanswered is because the solutions and the answers are too obvious and too practical. The, the most obvious answer to the Bigfoot is it's not real. It's the most obvious thing. No, no, no. Look at all this. But there's no hard proof, right? The, 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 the idea of these questions being so, so smart when really the answer is so practical. To ask if, if these questions about God is like saying, can a bachelor be married? It's a self-defeating statement. It's not a real question. It's like, can the color blue be red? It, they're not real questions. It's a self-defeating statement. But because it sounds interesting, because it, it sounds smart, we think that it's right when it's truly foolishness. The difference between counterfeit spirituality and genuine spirituality is in the actual works and the actions. It makes me think about the mass virtue signaling that is done in the world today. Because we're talking about real actions, real, real results. I compare it to people trying to show others that they are some that uh, that they they are something that there's something that they care about deeply without really having anything tangible to show for it that's what virtue signaling is to portray that you really care about something without actually having any kind of actions to show that you care about something for example uh, someone who has a BLM fist on their profile to show everybody that they support black lives matter without having one black friend See, that's virtue signaling. I care so much about black people, but I just don't have any as my own friends. In fact, I don't even know a black person. You see how it, it reveals something more real than what they're displaying. Or, uh, or I, I, could, uh, I could give an example after example of instances in which people attempted to appear to stand for something while truly doing nothing tangible for the cause, or for the person they claim to stand for. It happens all the time, and it's, it's really annoying. And I think that it is the same with spirituality. It's the same with spirituality. All talk with no walk. All talk with no walk. True, true spirituality is seen in actual works period and i want to be clear in, in understanding that yes we do need to make our mindset to become a spiritual person that is a step yes but so so often we make that it that's it i'm just going to think spiritually now and that's like me determining to become a healthy person and making my mindset just set that i'm i'm going to become a physically healthy person but then doing nothing else. 
I will not become a, a, a healthy person just by thinking I'm a healthy person, but it will actually take me to put actual choices and actual decisions for uh, uh, actual tangible choices in my actions, real things like diet, calories, exercise, sleep, the scale. Man, that scale though. <laughs> Just to let y'all know, you will, if you change, nothing will change and you will weigh differently on Monday and Friday. Do y'all know that? Y'all need to know that to have some peace. Okay. That's just facts. Our body just operates differently throughout the week. But see, these are tan the tangible reality and direction of my health is made by my choices after my mindset, not my mindset alone. So it is with spirituality, genuine spirituality. It takes devotion time, reading scripture, praying, worship, fasting, evangelizing, ministering to the needs of others, going to church, and other things of that nature to become invested into your spirit. It's actual steps and actions to invest within your own spirit. But the counterfeit convinces you that simply thinking differently is enough because it is much easier than taking real action. It's much easier than taking real action. It makes me think about so often, especially within ministry, we, there's so many ministers I've met within workplaces that chase that spiritualism. And I remember being at one workplace and it was like so spiritual where it made me sick. I'm a spiritual person, okay? Like I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a church planter. I, I, I am dedicated my life to be a minister. And the spiritualism in this one workplace was so excessive that it made me want to throw up. <laughs> and I'm talking about super spiritualism. The, I, these idea of spiritual sounds that aren't truly spiritual. And I remember moments in which it was like an opportunity to do something significant. Like, um, like when, I was a, when I was at a Holmes High School, a director at Holmes High School, this is just a small instance. I remember there's a moment where uh, I, I prayed and decided to bring like 80 hot dogs every week to feed these kids that would come to the, to the club. And see, that was something really spiritual. Why? Because I could point to the Bible scripture. Jesus says that if you give even a, a cup of water to the least of these, how, how great your reward is in heaven. It talks about the ministering to the needs of people. How much more is some, some hot dogs, right? With toasted buns. <laughs> and so it was something that was genuinely spiritual. And there was people that had genuine offense at it. I'm not talking about at the, at the school, but other ministers, other people who declared themselves spiritual, but but would say, well, why do you need to feed all of them? Maybe you just only give it to the kids that go to club. Well, you shouldn't do that because they're, they're, gonna get, they're only going to come for the food. So? <laughs> it, it was like these ideas that where the simple spiritual act ma made people who appeared to be spiritual angry and upset. And what I found is that those same people would, wouldn't know what to do in moments of things like worship. So it was like, I remember we'd have uh, people come into a workplace and people like that 
We, we, they did something special and they would bring in a, uh, someone to do live worship in the office. And the same people that would have gripes with me about different, uh, different little things, during the live worship, they would just like sit in their chair, they kind of look confused, didn't know how to act in, in a simple uh, uh, practice of worship. Something that is genuinely spiritual, but they didn't know how to act. But yet, online, on social media, as they're, with their talk with others, they appeared to just overflow with spiritual talk. It, it makes me think about how this one particular conversation I had with somebody that, that had a disagreement with me, and I, I, called, them, uh, I called them aside because the Bible says to confront those who dis, dis, have disagreements with you. And so I was like, hey, let's, like, let's talk real quick and work this out. And, and I was like really clear. I said, I feel like there's this tension between you and I. And, you know, I want to just confront it so that we can work better as fellow ministers and move on. And they started a lot of spiritual talk. Well, you know, like, you know, it's all right, man. The, the Holy Spirit just, you know, sometimes we, we have different spirits throughout the day, you know, just like different moods. And, and the Spirit just works it all out. It's like, okay, yeah, but what's actually really going on? Like, what's the issue here? And I'm like, no, it's, it's cool. I mean, you know, some, like one day you, you said this, and I just thought, man, that, you know, that just didn't sound like that was Holy Spirit-led. I was like, what are you talking about, man? It's, and see, spiritualism gives vague impressions, vague assertions with, with that, that gives so much, uh, uh, without giving some, something clear and concrete. And I remember it ended with them accusing me of not having enough prayer time. <laughs> he said, well, you know, I, I just think you, you spend so much time in ministry and, and working at this club and doing that and with your church. And, and I just think that, you know, when, I, I just, what it really is, is I'm concerned for you, brother. Because where's your devotion time? Where's the time that you spend with the Father? Again, sounding super spiritual. This dude doesn't even know me. <laughs> don't know me like that. I said, you don't even know any time frame of my devotion. You, I, I have devotion time every day. What are you talking about? Like you have no, you're just giving assumptions. And see, the reason I share this story is because when it comes to these false pretenses of spiritualism, it sounds real busy, but they're not really doing anything. And what I've found is that Spirit, uh, uh, the counterfeit spiritualism is always angry or jealous with genuine spiritual. Let, let me share this verse in First Thessalonians. Sorry, Second Thessalonians, verses uh, chapter three, verse nine through eleven it says, "For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order: if anyone is un, is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life." doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Not because we do not have the right to do this, but in order to offer ourselves as a role model for you so that you would follow our example. Paul here specifically is talking about, uh, about ministers and leaders and spiritual people that present themselves with busyness of spirituality without the actual works of spirituality. It's like I said, this busyness without any effectiveness. And, 
And that is, uh, that is a, the example of what counterfeit spiritualism does. Now, with this being said, I want us to go into the final point of this subject. And that is asking the question, who does it glorify? Who does it glorify? When we're talking about acts of spiritualism, spirituality. And sometimes the easiest way to find out the answer is by finding out the motivation. Sometimes the best way to find out the, the answer of spirituality, the authenticity of spirituality, is by looking at the motivation. I believe a major difference between counterfeit spirituality and genuine spirituality is seen in the end result of who is being glorified. Of who is being glorified. Jesus was the most bona fide spiritual representation that we could ever have in human form. And this is what he had to say when it came to the practice and idea of spirituality. It says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 6, Take care not to practice your righteousness in the sight of people to be noticed by them. That's like counterintuitive to like half of social media, right? <laughs> Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that you will be so that they will be praised by people. I used to have, a, I have a best friend of mine that lives in Wisconsin and we went to ministry school together and we had this joke that whenever we were like, uh, we would catch each other like talking about something spiritual that we were doing, we would just, uh, we'd just be in the room and if we would hear it, we'd go, burr, 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 burr. <laughs> everyone come look. <laughs> See, is this, can we not unpack this simple scripture? to so many ideas of spiritualism. There's so many people on TikTok, on Instagram, on all social media presenting themselves as extremely spiritual people. But I want us to just take a moment back. It doesn't mean that we can't look at people and see their genuine spirituality. But when, when the end result, it, it's, it's about the end result. Is the end result, is their spiritualism, is it really serving somebody is it benefiting somebody or is it glorifying God or is it really just giving a display for how great they are y'all dig what I'm saying the verse goes on to say truly I say to you they have the reward in full but when you give to the poor do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your charitable giving will be in secret and your father who sees you sees what is done in secret will reward you. The other thing about these verses is that it reveals that our human nature wants to be seen. We want to be seen as good. We want to be seen as, as a good person that did something nice, that did something generous, that did something spiritual. It reveals how our human nature wants that kind of display because it's a small little ounce of glory. It, this verse finishes by saying, And when you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they will be seen by people. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But as for you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your doors, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Sorry about that. <laughs> and so this is giving this like a real reality check to our hearts when it comes to practices of spirituality. Now, Jesus is not 
uh, he is not damning corporate prayer. He's not saying that the church shouldn't pray together. But he's talking about putting on a display for even people outside of the church. It's all about the motivation. Do I, am I doing this because I'm, uh, we're actually gathering together to pray for someone? Am I doing this to, uh, as an example for others to learn how to pray? Or am I doing this because I want others to see me as a spiritual person? Y'all, y'all dig that? It really goes down to the heart. Think of the comparison through the jealousy of the Pharisees and the religious leaders who were focused on their appearances. They... They traded the righteousness of God for the praises of people. When I think about churches today, it, it's almost scary how many connections that we can see to, to pharisaical practices that we saw in Jesus' time. I don't know, even just in this simple verse, I don't know how many times I've seen uh, preachers do a Facebook Live video of them praying, and it's like, like, I get it, but at the same time, like, do I get it though? <laughs> Like, it, like, yes, we need to like, show people how to pray. Like, we have a, a corporate prayer time. I believe that people, uh, the better, a better way to learn how to pray is by practice of prayer. And sometimes it helps when we see how other people pray. Yeah, but there's sometimes where it's just like, why is this really happening? Why is this really going on? And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the, the counterfeit lifts up our ego and superiority while real spirituality lifts up the name of God in humility. The Pharisees, everything seemingly spiritual that they did was to make themselves out to be superior. It was to fill up their own ego. When Jesus did anything spiritual, it was always done in humility to lift the name of God. So who is it glorifying? I believe that Sorry, I got all these, all these things here. the The counterfeit to su- the counterfeit of super spirituality is jealous of people who are genuinely spiritual. When we look at the type of people that hated Jesus, the type of people that attacked the apostles in the Book of Acts, it was always the religion, it was always the religious, spir- seemingly spiritual wannabes that were truly jealous of the authentic rock stars of spirituality. I was just reading this uh, this morning when when Paul is uh, I think uh, when Paul is talking uh, about his weaknesses in Christ and he's talking about I've I've been uh, I've been beaten I've been stoned I've been whipped with times without numbers and he's talking about all the things that he's done and he's doing it because at the specific church there is uh, there's leaders that were coming up and saying no we're really spiritual Paul is a weak man we're the leaders that you really need. We're much more spiritual. And Paul literally gives this digression saying, I sound like a lunatic having to prove myself with this resume of spirituality to you. He says, I sound like a fool telling you this. But who is, who is, he's literally saying, who is more of a Jew than I? Who has done more for the church than I? And he says, I sound like a madman. And what he's referencing is the actual stuff he did. And says, now what have they done? <laughs> what have they done? And it is just an echoing sound that, that when it comes to analyzing spirituality of looking at like the tangible resume 
of whatever person you're trying to learn from or receive from because it will show you whether they're a truly spiritual rock star or rather, or rather they're a spiritual wannabe who per- portray themselves as spiritual people without putting the work of spiritual things. The Pharisees, they coveted the anointing of the apostles, the anointing of Jesus. They coveted the closeness with God and they coveted their influence with people. So they attacked without real cause. They attacked them without real cause. And just as they had no tangible spirituality, so they had no tangible cause for their hate. They had no tangible cause for their hate. And I find this, uh, just like I said earlier, that genuine spiritual people are content in closeness with God and the glorification of God. While the counterfeit of spiritualism is never content with the, the, the influence, never content with the attraction, never content with the attention that they desire. It's insatiable. I want to share this, uh, this verse in Philippians chapter 1, verse 17 through 18. Paul says, The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking that they are causing me distress and in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. But not only that. Uh, and so he, what he's saying is, Paul, he shows in this verse, he's talking about there's people who are proclaiming Jesus. They're preaching the message of Jesus only to spite Paul, only to try to steal his influence, only to try to, uh, in a sense, steal the flock of people that, that he was influencing. And he's saying, well, whether it's out of their selfish ambition or out of pure motives. And what he's saying is, I don't really know. It's my suspicion, but I don't know their hearts. So it's this humility. And then he says, at the end of the day, I don't care. Because will, wittingly or not, they are, uh, they are preaching the gospel. They are sharing the message of Jesus. And it shows this display that he's really just trying to, to do his best and forget the rest. That he's unconcerned with the motives of others. And he didn't care about receiving any kind of credit or attention because he is truly spiritual. And he could genuinely praise God even when those who hated him were inadvertently doing something spiritual because all he cared about was Jesus' message being shared and God being glorified. To think if you if you've ever had an enemy before, like someone that you truly despised, I'm not saying that you're gonna like immediately fight them if you are in the same room with them, but you just like are discontent. Like if you know that they're gonna be there, like oh, like rolling your eyes. This is the way Paul feels about these people. It's like he loves them in Christ, but would like if he's like almost like a loser. Like if I wasn't a Christian, I'll tell you what. And he is genuinely uh, glad that they're sharing the gospel. Think about that for a moment. That he has, he, he has the, the end result unconnected, disconnected from how he feels about the individual sharing the result. But false spiritualism, it would, it's like a, the idea is like, well, I'd rather them uh, not share anything at all. If, if Paul were to say, well, I just wish they would shut their mouths. I wish their mouths were sewn shut. 
because they shouldn't be the ones sharing the gospel message because they're actually, they have bad motives. They don't have the right heart. I wish they would just stop. But see, the genuine spirituality doesn't care about the motives. It just cares about Jesus' name being spread. And, And true spirituality is just that, less of me and more of him. And when Jesus is glorified in our hearts, spirituality becomes second nature. The more that we grow closer to Him through the Holy Spirit, the more that, we, that in touch we become with our own spirits. And if you've never had a moment, uh, if you've never had a moment where you put your trust in Him, why wait for another day? See, that trust in Jesus Christ, that, it, it's, it's that first step of authentic spirituality. And putting your trust in Him is one of the most tangible connections that we can make to our spiritual selves. And so often we put that off for another day. We wait till a better time when life is better. I, need, I got some work to do first. That's the biggest lie from the devil. I just need to get myself right first before I come to God. That's counterintuitive. We come to God first as we are because of what Jesus done. And He begins the spiritual work inside of us. It, it's another example of counterfeit spirituality. I'm going to do as much as I can first. And once I feel holy enough, I won't even need Jesus. I'll just come to God myself. We'll never get there. So why wait any longer? Why, why wait any, uh, one more day? Why not right now? That being said, I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you're here today and you feel that that push in your heart to make a truly spiritual decision, a tangible one, by marking this day the day that you put your trust in Jesus Christ. If that's you, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hand. So right there to yourself, I want you to have a conversation with Jesus. The Bible says that if if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who He says He is, surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is if, if you have a genuine heart and acknowledge who Jesus is, the Son of God that died on the cross and rose from the dead, that that's all it takes to start this spiritual journey with Him. That's all it takes to start this, this lifestyle with Him. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You can have that conversation yourself. So while they're doing that, if you're, uh, for the rest of you, if you're here and you feel like this is a message that you needed to hear today, and you feel like God is calling you to truly put some, some action to your spiritual life, to your, your spiritual walk, it doesn't mean that you're not spiritual, that you've been uh, superstitious or counterfeit spiritual. It just means that you feel like the Holy Spirit is impressing on you to invest in your spiritual life in a greater way. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hands. So now I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray that you finish what you started in this group of people. I pray that your Holy Spirit's presence would cause a tangible feeling in this room. That people would know without a doubt that you are ministering to them, that you are speaking to them. And that you, I pray that you uniquely 
uh, uniquely speak to each individual what they need to hear, that you give them their next steps, and that you move in their hearts and their lives right now in this moment. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So with that being said, in this same kind of spiritual atmosphere, we're going to go into a time of worship. Before we do, we're going to sign up online. Thank you guys for being a part. Hey, I hope that you enjoyed today's message. If you did, there's several different ways to connect. First is by subscribing to our show, leaving a review or a comment. Second is by going to gravetopchurch.com and clicking the Get Connected tab so that we can connect with you as an individual. And third is if this ministry has made an impact in your life and you want to help us to continue to reach others, then you can give online by clicking the Give tab. Until next time, thank you for being a part of Gravetop Church.